Uh, joining me in the studio right now is Simon Kingsley Holmes. Simon, how are you? I'm very well. I didn't realise it was a it was a power thing for me. It was. Oh yeah, we're all about empowering listeners with uh, filmic. The, the power to talk about films makes me one of one of the more rubbish Avengers, I suspect. But uh, hey, who knows? I could leap in there with a baffling review. Yeah, or <laughs> um, it's. I mean, who's the guy with the bow and arrow? Oh, um, uh... Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hawkeye, that's his name, I think. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but today you wanted to talk about uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Yep, we've got War for the Planet of the Apes and we've got The Journey as well. Two, I mean, it's been a very... Three releases this week and it's all been very political, which is interesting. Um, right. But uh, first, perhaps, we should probably mention a big dent has been made in the film industry yesterday with the passing of the late great uh, George Romero which is really is so many uh, I really I didn't really enjoy horror films mm. uh, but then seeing his I did because suddenly uh, it was almost um, well kind of the same thing that Peter Jackson did with his mm. yeah. uh, early stuff like it's yeah it's disgusting but also it's pretty funny yeah and it's he gave you he gave you meat and viscera, and he also gave you meat and viscera for the brain as well. I mean, mm. you had... There were great, great shock horror movies with... I mean, in 1968, George Romero was a director of detergent commercials, and then he changed the face of horror with Night of the Living Dead, which is still, to this day, a creepy, shocking, brilliant movie. And, and funnily enough, we discussed this a couple of months ago when Get Out came out, is it still holds up as one of the more groundbreaking bits of casting that's ever been done. Right, because yeah. with its main actor, Dwayne Jones, who played the role of Ben, the role was not written for an African-American. It was not played particularly as it was, you know, it wasn't... Um, you read the original script and it's, it's written for a, like a white hick character, and yet they cast Dwayne Jones because he was the best actor. You know, and that still today people don't do that. It always yeah. has to be, you know, and it's and and Dwayne Jones is wonderful in the main role. He still is one of the great horror heroes. Um, and then, you know, I mean, most directors are lucky to make one classic in their life uh, lifetime. George Romero made at least three, and he will be missed. I mean, oh, yeah. presuming uh, he doesn't come back from the dead. Yeah, it could it was, happen. Uh, Day of the Dead was there was we were talking oh, off here. Yeah. That's the one in the shopping mall, right? No, Dawn of the Dead's the one in the shopping mall. Day of the Dead's the one in the underground military base. Ah, right. Um, okay. Which has and uh, Day of the Dead has some of the best has some of the best brutal murders you've ever seen in movies. It's fantastic. It's great. And Dawn of the Dead's wonderful as well. I mean, the, you know, that has the uh, has the famous bit where the zombie gets the top of his head chopped off by the ro helicopter blades. Yeah. Uh, Great stuff. Yeah, uh, very formulative, and it, it inspired me uh, to get into for a given value mm. of uh, filmmaking, uh, and as I'm sure it did many others. Oh yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Uh, thanks, George. Thanks, George. Good night, and thanks for the nightmares. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so yes, after that, uh, well, sad, sad thing. And also, we lost Martin Landau as well. Of course, I was going to. Yeah. Um, also, it's such an iconic face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, an actor and a human being attached to it. Yeah, yeah, but, but uh, hey, uh, movie stars are about faces, and he had a face for the movie, so that will also be missed. Um, so let's talk The Journey, Lit. which is a film based on uh, 
well, not based on a true story, roughly based on a true story. This is directed by Nick Ham, uh, whose uh, previous films include Killing Bono um, and another film which I can't remember off the top of my head. I've forgotten now. Um, but uh, this is set in 2006. Nor- uh, Northern Ireland peace talks held in Scotland. Ian Paisley needs to get to his 50th wedding anniversary, and uh, but uh, the Scottish weather has meant that they have to go from Glasgow to Edinburgh Airport, and so he's contrived to share a car ride with his uh, basically mortal enemy, Martin McGuinness, and uh, they end up stuck in a car together by pretty much the the MI5 and Tony Blair and Bertie Ahern and all these people contrived to get them in this car and get them actually talking. They've never spoken to one another in person. Uh, Ian Paisley represents the uh, the unionists, the people who want to stay uh, in Great Britain, and Martin McGuinness is the Catholic who represents uh, Republican, he's ex-IRA, and they... Yeah, they hate each other to say the least. Yeah, oil and water. Yes, pretty um, much chalk and cheese. Uh, in you know, it's 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 the most extreme uh, sitcom format you've ever seen. They're the ultimate odd couple. <laughs> Cultural mismatch comedy number six six six. Um, and so yeah, I mean, um, it's an it's a frustrating watch. This film, it has to be said. Um, right. The let's start with let's start with the good things. Obviously. Cole Meany as Martin McGuinness is brilliant. Timothy Spall as Ian Paisley is brilliant. They really, really are sinking their teeth uh, into this ro- into these roles. Um, Cole Meany's one of those actors who's kind of... Um, who, who's one of those reliable actors. If he's in something, you can just go, well, I don't need to worry about his part. He will be brilliant. But actually, he really, really is great in this role. Sut- you know, very subtly. And, and uh, Timothy Spall is typically brilliant. He's always great. He's always worth watching. Has been ever since he was in Alfida Sane Pet back in the 80s and all those wonderful Mike Lee TV plays. Um, the problem with the film is, is that... Well, the problems are many-fold, but it, the thing is it keeps undermining itself. So you have this... Uh, this this very austere idea which is put them in a car get them talking but it keeps undermining itself with this with sort of cliches you know it gets them out of the car okay the car crashes into uh and into some um they end up like pushing them into the forest the car crashes into some logs they're out of the car they see a dying deer that somehow bonds them in some way uh or you know they keep stretching it so they've got an hour to get from glasgow to edinburgh before this storm hits and then he can't fly to ireland goes it's a wedding anniversary but they keep stretching out the time. They keep stretching it and stretching it and stretching it beyond breaking point to get them to keep talking. Then there's this the whole uh, plot line with what's going on back at uh, Glasgow with Tony Blair and the MI5 people. MI5 represented by John Hurt because the driver, as it turns out, is an MI5 agent who they've planted in there to get them, to sort of nudge them into talking. And you have this bit where... So Ian Paisley and Colmini, they've started talking and there's this nice bit of, you know, back and forth between them exploring, you know, what are their problems and what's going on and the, you know, uh, bringing up the various tragedies and terrorist acts and um, uh, political differences. And so that's doing its job. And then you have this moment where it stops and John Hurt explains to the driver what the subtext is and you go for god's sake are you really going to do this we've got all this chat and then you're actually going to put some chat on top of it explaining the chat you know for god's sake stop doing this because and what's frustrating about it is is that there are moments there are flashes where you realize uh it is it, it has the smarts there's this brilliant moment where um 
they discuss uh, they're in a graveyard and they discuss uh, the bombing at Enniskillen now the bombing at Enniskillen happened in um, Enniskillen sorry happened in 1987 it was a mistake by the IRA apparently um, uh, they said it was a mistake anyway um, and uh, what went happened there was a Remembrance Day service a bomb went off it killed uh, I think it was 11 uh, civilians including men women and children they said it was supposed to go off when the soldiers were marching past and uh, Martin McGuinness says it was a mistake we didn't mean to do it and I was trying to explain it to my daughter and I broke down because I realized what if it had been my daughter and you thought really are they are they really going down this path and then Ian Paisley brilliantly calls him out on it and says how dare you how dare you say you know what you're going to go and explain to those uh, the families of the victims that it was your it was difficult for you to explain to your daughter and you went oh brilliant and then all of a sudden uh, it just sort of doubles back on itself and there's you know they so they're you know McGuinness has really ruptured this this rapport they've built up and then all of a sudden oh no they're friends again and you go what's going on you know and I'm not going to take sides on this you know IRA or unionist or whatever um, because no one needs an English person to to pontificate on that but um, but it doesn't really make any difference either way whatever side you had because it in the end the film just undermines both you know and as I say it had the smarts but it just keeps ruining itself. Is it like, uh, is it an example of, I know that uh, certainly, like, pre-60s, a lot of mm. films, like, added uh, particular information for, like, well, dumbing it down for an American audience. Like, um, is it... Oh, uh, God, films still do it today, but I oh. think it's... it's um, the the real problem is i think that it doesn't have the courage of its convictions i think yeah it it's kind of trying to um it's kind of trying to keep everybody happy and i think whether you agree with something or not i would rather have seen whether i agreed with it or not i would rather have seen a film that had a clear through line and mm. said this is you know this is where we're going with it um and it just as it doesn't have the courage of its convictions it puts it in this potentially really claustrophobic cinematic idea of sticking them in the car for that amount of time and saying right you're going to talk about this um but it just keeps opening it out it's like it doesn't have the it doesn't have the for a better word the balls to just sit them in there and really go at it but it just sort of like oh, it, it 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 um washes out in the end which is it's a shame and there's so much great cinema about the northern ireland troubles i mean you think of things like bloody sunday and the wind that shakes the barley you know wonderful wonderful films that really tackle the 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 subject matter in a really gritty way and this just isn't one of them sadly so yeah right uh War for the Planet of the Apes. Okay, War for the Planet of the Apes. Possibly one of my most anticipated films of the year. I mean, I was, uh, um, I came to, I didn't see Rise of the Planet of the Apes back in 2011. Um, I stupidly uh, decided, we had a choice of two. I was with my mate Mark, who's from Northern Ireland, um, and uh, we had a choice of Rise of the Planet of the Apes or Cowboys and Aliens. And I stupidly went, oh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, that's not going to be all that. Cowboys and Aliens might be a bit of a laugh. Turns out Cowboys and Aliens was one of the only films I've ever walked out of. That was terrible. Shame on me. Three years later, it was the last film I saw in the UK before I came back here. It was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I didn't want to go and see it. I sat down and watched it. I was blown away by it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Really intelligent, really smart, really exciting. And so... I was like, War for the Planet of the Apes, sign me up. And in the interim, I've seen all the other Planet of the Apes movies. I mean, it's 
50, almost 50 years ago now. I was going to say, like, all of the, you mean the Charlton Heston, yep, the absolutely. new, yep. new animals. Planet of the Apes, up. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and I rewatched the Tim Burton version, which, oh, God, oh, I wish I had That is awful. The Tim Ver- Burton oh, one. Dear, so oh many dear. good actors doing terrible jobs yeah, as yeah, apes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a film you watch for the costumes and the makeup, which is brilliant. That is it. Um,. So uh, yeah, forty nine years ago. I mean, I think it's safe to say that possibly the the the, the image from nineteen sixty eight, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, the image of the ape on horseback with a machine gun is one of the most striking images that science fiction and movies have ever given us. So this kit picks up after the events of Dawn. A few years after, uh, Caesar and the apes are stuck basically in a war of attrition with the humans. Uh, the um, they've set up their colony they're uh, in the in the forests and they're you know they're trying to keep things going but the humans keep attacking and attacking fighting back caesar is trying to be benevolent with this and uh, after one particular attack he sends some soldiers back unharmed and says right we want no more of this and next thing you know there's a nighttime ambush and stuff happens and caesar is on a quest for vengeance against this uh, character simply called the colonel played by uh, woody harrelson uh, i won't say any more than that i don't want to spoil anything um but suffice to say this was interesting i think i think it's a simple case of my expectations were too high i'm not for one second i don't for one second think i'm gonna say it's rubbish because it's not it is head and shoulders above both certainly both the uh, uh, releases we've had this week um but i think my my view is slightly skewed so it's kind of it was kind of a rogue one experience for me in that i so wanted it to be perfect the little problems there are in there were sort of expounded in my head and i've so i need to see it again what i will say is one performances terrific i mean the motion capture performances andy people have been saying for ages andy circus needs an oscar and they keep denying it because they're saying oh it's not his performance it's cgi rubbish it's it, it is the cgi and the performance seeing it's the another costume like seeing the the layers that they mm. add shot mm. by yeah, shot yeah. is and, uh, mind-boggling yeah what they've done here is amazing i mean this is the first this is the nearest i think uh, for me cgi has ever gotten to photo real i think in your head cgi will never be you will never accept cgi as real because you know it's a special effect but this is the nearest i think the director uh, matt reeves and the the special effects team of course have done a brilliant job of kind of being benevolent enough to not make you notice it you know it comes second to circus's performance which is brilliant i mean caesar is still conflicted it's his story you know can he still find that uh, emotional uh, catch with the humans can he keep can he keep that understanding and that knowledge that there is good in the humans and here it is tested to the limits um so he ends up going on this quest of vengeance with uh maurice who is played by um karen conaval who um so maurice is actually played by a woman which is and and i have to say maurice is the orangutan is my favorite character of the the franchise he's so wise he's so you know gentle and loving and i just really like that character and when maurice gets emotional i get emotional Whoever would have thought, however, that you could ever say the phrase What a Beautiful Performance by Steve Zahn, who used to be the most annoying person in movies. I mean, you go back 15 years and he'd turn up as a supporting role of some stoner slacker and he was just, oh, God's sake, I'm done with this movie, telly off. Here he plays this character called Bad Ape, who's this sort of bald, uh, balding, slightly mad, slightly out of kilter uh, character, who's essentially the comic relief 
but what he's not doing is he's not upsetting the movie with the with the comic relief he's very funny but he's also enough pathos and frailty to his performance that it's really really well judged i mean i never would have thought that i would say this but his performance is one of the performances of the year for me so far um woody harrelson obviously is fantastic i mean this is this is the kind of thing he could do in his sleep and that's not a criticism for, um you know this is why you get woody harrelson to play this sort of really damaged dark macho role i mean you look at him in stuff like this and natural born killers and true detective he does this really well this is why you get woody harrelson if this you is can. not a hunger games woody harrelson um i didn't see the ones that he was in i only saw the first one so You're not missing out. okay okay <laughs> um and still um you know uh, i think i didn't bring my game to it so I, I can't really talk too much about the subjects also i'd probably be spoiling quite a lot but i i need to go back and see it again i think i wasn't bringing my a game but it's still a really intelligent series really smart i mean what struck me with dawn was i just finished reading this breeze block sized biography of che guevara and it was interesting with dawn how many parallels there were with real life revolutions and revolutionaries and ideas and things like that i mean i still hold i found it really interesting the fact that the character of cobra um was named cobra which is a was a nickname for stalin which is was so beautifully used you know they didn't call him joseph or stalin they called him cobra oh nice you've blended that one in there's another through line here with how the way in which they use cultural reference current cultural references to um uh in the movie and the fact that there are defector apes who are working for the humans and they all have spray painted on their backs donkey donkey kong nice that's really well used the graffiti the production design um is 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 really well utilized really intelligent really gritty um and as this tactility the uh, cinematography by michael saracen is brilliant in fact one thing i couldn't help but notice was this is the first time in ages i've seen a big action movie where there's almost no handheld in it it's all crane shots tracking shots steady cam i assume that's a lot to do with the motion capture stuff it makes probably makes life a lot difficult but it d uses all those it uses that really well because it uses big uh, uh crane shot things in, in a style that's kind of like you know, a, a more classical style, which matches up nicely in the beginning, at least, with um, uh, Michael Giacchino's uh, score, which reminded me a lot of very 60s, 50s, 60s orchestral score with a nice sort of Japanese feel to it. Um, it reminded me of kind of um, the the work of Toru Tada. Toru Takamitsu, um, who was an old uh, Japanese composer. Um, uh, although, unfortunately, I think his score does end up doing lilting piano so solo syndrome, which I can be doing without. Remind you of his crapper work in with Marvel. Um, but on the whole, really good. I want to see it again because I think it is better than I think it is right now. Um, but a fantastic um, addition to the series. I hope it's the series. I hope this isn't a conclusion to a trilogy. I want to see more. Um, and that kind of tells you all you need to know. I mean, I'm not tired of it. I want to see more. I want to keep going with these characters. Um, I hope that finally, uh, you know, in the Oscars, they're going to get down off their high horse and actually, you know, um, uh, award some of these mocap actors with, you know, nominations and all that stuff. I doubt they will because the Oscars are rubbish and they're up their own asses and all that. Um, and they want to give it to the worthy biopic performance. Um, but on the whole terrific absolutely terrific and um and also there are also i should say very quickly there are some really nice uh there's some really nice um uh matches up with the original series it starts to it starts to marry up with the first film and there are nice little touches in there so yeah terrific absolutely film of the week go and see it okay cool uh scores out of 
Oh, uh, well, uh, Planet of the Apes is... A hundred? Uh, out of a hundred? Well, Planet of the Apes is definitely, um, 80, moving to 85, um, and, um, uh, the journey sits at about 50. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, I think, uh, the absolute watermark, uh, test is War for the Planet of the Apes better than the Troy McClure... Uh, Simpsons <laughs> I hate every ape I see from well, Chimpan A to Chimpan Z <laughs> I've forgotten that line <laughs> um, well it's touch and go it's touch and go but uh, um, I think maybe that's the next move because I'm not going to lie that is my standard for that is, Planet of the Apes it, it's it, I mean the, I mean, if they could if the next one could be a musical that would be wonderful maybe they need to get Edgar Wright in to do uh, a Planet of the Apes musical sci-fi maybe we should have done it uh, should have done it before Phil Hartman died thank you very much for your time Simon oh we should very quickly I did say I was going to plug the the, the, the the program for the New Zealand International Film Festival is out released last night yep get in there get your programs go and tick them off be a massive nerd and we'll go through them next week sick deal thank you very much for your time